Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you today from Boise, Idaho. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. Our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, Russell Moore leaves the Southern Baptist Convention over the church's handling of sexual abuse and race issues, and more accusations about Carl Lentz motivate hard questions about the culture of the Hillsong movement. We also have our list of the lowest-rated ministries in the Ministry Watch database. We'll discuss that list later in the program. We begin with news of a billion-dollar restructuring at the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Yeah, according to an investigation by the Dallas-based Trinity Foundation, Matthew Crouch, who's the president of Trinity Broadcasting Network, has launched a massive restructuring of the world's largest religious TV network. And I should note that despite the similarity in their names, the Trinity Foundation is not related to the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, it couldn't be more different. Uh, Financial disclosure documents, though, published last week by the Internal Revenue Service and examined by the Trinity Foundation, uh, found that Trinity Christian Center of Santa Ana, long the parent organization of TBN and other affiliated organizations, had transferred $860 million worth of assets to Trinity Broadcasting of Texas in 2019. Now, that transfer of assets is recorded as revenue in the new Texas-based organization. That means that the Texas-based nonprofit, uh, which also reported about $30 million in donation and $24 million from selling airtime, plus $17 million in investment income, had a whopping $933 million in revenue during that year. Wow, that is huge. Yeah, it is. In fact, it makes it one of the largest Christian ministries on the planet and by far the largest Christian television network, at least if measured by that one-year revenue number, which is why it's Also interesting to note that in 2020, Trinity Broadcasting of Texas, which is this new entity that, you know, had that nearly billion dollars in revenue, received about $3.3 million in payroll protection program forgivable loans. Now, it's important to note that whenever you apply for a PPP loan, you have to certify the following statement. Current economic uncertainty makes this loan request necessary to support the ongoing operations of the applicant. It's kind of hard to see how that statement could possibly be true in this case. Now, Warren, our next story was sort of a blockbuster for the week, and that was the departure of Russell Moore from the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, it really was. It was kind of blowing up on social media. It ended up sort of spilling over into the secular media as well. And we've got a little bit of new information now. In a letter that was leaked to the public, uh, Russell Moore explained that his troubles with the Southern Baptist Convention's leadership um, were, was 
pretty bitter. Uh, he says that the SBC's stand on race and sex abuse were the key reasons that he left the SBC. And just to be clear, he not only left his job as the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the SBC, but he also moved his membership to a non-Southern Baptist church. Yeah, that's right. He now attends Emmanuel Nashville, which is a church that's part of the church planting network called Acts 29. Now, back to that leaked letter. What did that say? Well, Moore said that he had been attacked by what he called the most vicious guerrilla tactics on such matters and have been told to be quiet about this by others. Uh, The letter uh, contained few specifics about the nature of those attacks, except to say that he and his family had received threats from white nationalists and white supremacists. So his position on Donald Trump had nothing to do with his departure? Now, Russell Moore says it did not. He says that Trump supporters had mostly been cordial to him and that the SBC's position on sexual abuse and race were his overriding concerns. He says the SBC hasn't done nearly enough to address either issue. Now, some of Moore's critics have accused him of embracing critical race theory. They have, and I'll have to say that those claims are among the most difficult to understand since Moore has repeatedly and clearly spoken out against critical theory, calling it anti-biblical and anti-Christian. I personally interviewed Russell Moore on that very question. I asked him directly, and he could not have been any more clear with me that he opposes critical theory. So what happens next? Well, Moore has taken a job with Christianity Today, so his platform, if I may call it that, has, if anything, enlarged. Uh, Expect to hear more from him in the future. Uh, In the meantime, as we reported last week, the Southern Baptist Convention continues to lose members. Uh, Its membership has fallen by more than 2 million in the past decade, and the events of the past week are not likely to help in that decline. Our next story involves a religious liberty question. A Kentucky adoption and foster care agency is at risk because it won't place kids for adoption with gay couples. Yeah, the state of Kentucky is pressuring an organization called Sunrise Children's Services to sign a clause in a new state contract that bans discrimination based on sexual orientation. And the agency has so far refused to sign. Uh, It's another round in a broader fight in states and the courts over religious liberty and LGBTQ laws, including whether businesses can refuse to provide services uh, for same-sex weddings. An upcoming U.S. Supreme Court decision in a Pennsylvania case could be decisive in this Kentucky matter. Uh, It's reviewing a refusal by Philadelphia's Catholic Social Services uh, to work with same-sex couples as foster parents there. Warren, let's take a look at one more quick story before the break, and that's the recent release of a podcast series dedicated to the Jerry Falwell and Liberty University scandal. Yeah, it's a popular podcast called Gangster K. 
Capitalism, and it's dedicated its third season to Jerry Falwell. I've listened to the first two episodes, which as of you know the time we're taping now are the only two that are available. And I have to say that so far, at least, it hasn't really broken any news. If you've been reading Ministry Watch for the last year or so, you know all or almost all of the information in the podcast. But the fact that this secular Peabody Award-winning podcast is devoting so much time and energy to Falwell is significant. And I should also add, um, for those of our listeners that might want to go check out the podcast, that the language is rough. It is at least PG-13 rated, maybe R-rated, and the worldview of the producers is definitely not a Christian worldview. But I should also add that the story does make for a compelling podcast series. Well, we need to take a break, but when we return, more accusations against former Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now let's continue with the story of a new sex abuse allegations against Carl Lenz, the former Hillsong pastor. Yeah, that's right. A former Hillsong, New York staff member has come forward with allegations that uh, Carl Lentz, who used to lead the New York City Hillsong group, subjected her to bullying, abuse of power, and sexual abuse over the course of seven years that she worked as a nanny in the Lentz home. The woman making the accusations is Leona Kimes. She's now 37 years old and herself serves as a co-pastor at Hillsong's Boston Church. Uh, A legal representative for Lentz, I should add quickly, denies, in fact, vehemently denied all of these accusations. Carl Lentz himself, 42 years old, had established Hillsong's Manhattan Church, which is one of about 130 Hillsong locations around the world. He was fired, you may recall, back in November for moral failings, and later he admitted to an adulterous affair. Hillsong, uh, for its part, has tried to gloss over the Carl Lentz situation as the unfortunate behavior of a single rogue pastor. But other situations have come to light that paint a somewhat darker picture of Hillsong's leadership culture. In fact, Brian Houston, the founder of the Hillsong movement, has apologized for his role in creating what some have called a toxic culture at Hillsong, and he has vowed to do better in the future. Warren, we don't normally spend much time on successful real estate developers who run for political office, but that's exactly what we have in this next story. 
That's right, and it is not a story about Donald Trump, by the way. Uh, it's a story about Phil Rizzo, who is also a successful real estate developer and a political candidate, though he's a candidate for governor of New Jersey. He's also, though, the pastor of a small church, and his candidacy is making news because he lives in a plush parsonage, you might say, uh, one that, in fact, is growing plusher every day because of renovations that appear to be paid for by the church. In 2015, Rizzo and his wife uh, paid about $1.5 million for a five bedroom, seven bath house on six acres of land. Two years later, they sold the house for $1.65 million, but they sold it to their church, City Baptist Church, which is a small independent church with locations in Hoboken and North Bergen, New Jersey. Uh, The Rizzos, though, continue to live uh, in the house. And by the way, uh, the church has only about 60 members, and Rizzo himself founded the church after converting to Christianity in 2009. Uh, church is so small that Rizzo is the uh, only, there's only one other staff member in addition to, to Rizzo. Um, while owned by the church, the 6,700 square foot home has undergone extensive renovations. It's now got a list price on it. It's for sale for $2.65 million. Uh, Zillow um, values it at $2.2 million. I should say that there are a lot more numbers to this story, and some of them are pretty fascinating. Um, financial arrangements and so forth. We won't go into them here, but you can find that story at the Ministry Watch website. But let's just say here that this situation is not only a concern for those who value transparency and accountability in the church, it's also becoming a pretty significant issue in the New Jersey governor's race. Warren, we hear a lot about cancel culture these days, and that's a practice of ostracizing someone either in person or online by taking away their speech or by limiting a person or group's ability to be heard and to tell their story. Now, though, TV preacher Jim Baker is saying that his decades-old scandal at the Heritage USA is one of the first examples of cancel culture. Yeah, that's right. Jim Baker uh, said on his television show last week that the media was mostly to blame for his downfall and for the downfall of the Praise the Lord or PTL ministry uh, that he led in the late 80s. Uh, He called it an early example of cancel culture, saying they got a Pulitzer Prize for putting me in prison. But you don't buy that. Well, no, I don't. I mean, I devoted a full chapter to Jim and Tammy Baker and this whole scandal in my new book, Faith-Based Fraud. So I kind of dug into the situation pretty deeply there. About the only thing that Jim Baker said that was true was that uh, the Charlotte Observer did, in fact, win a Pulitzer Prize for its coverage of Baker and the Heritage USA PTL Network scandal. Um, But that's not what put Jim Baker in prison. What put Baker in prison and caused his downfall was his conviction on 24 counts of mail and wire fraud and of conspiring to defraud the public in 1989 after bilking followers out of $158 million in a vacation scheme while he himself was living a lavish lifestyle. And I'm not even going to mention that there was a sex scandal thrown in to boot. Now, Jim Baker was sentenced to 45 years in prison and ordered to pay a $500,000 fine plus retribution, but most of the money had already been sort of soaked up in his lifestyle. Eventually, that 
prison sentence was reduced to eight years, and he ended up serving only five years. So, you know, far from being a victim of cancel culture, there are a lot of people who think that Jim Baker got off pretty light. Now, while we're on the subject of TV preachers, you have news about the passing of one of the most flamboyant. Yeah, controversial preacher and televangelist Ernest Angsley died uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's been nearly a month ago, but we're just now uh, getting the news and reporting it. He, w- he died on May 7th. He was 99 years old. They had a memorial service for him on May 22nd at his home church, which is Grace Cathedral in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Um, a lot of our younger listeners may not remember Ernest Angsley, but he was uh, really kind of something to behold um, back in the 70s and 80s. Um, He has a ministry that had a ministry that actually dated back to the 1950s. Remember, I said he died at age 99, so he'd been around for a long time. And he had worldwide exposure through a syndicated TV program that ran through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. He made all kinds of outrageous faith healing claims. He had a really distinctive speaking cadence and also had controversial views uh, that made him the subject of ridicule and sometimes, in fact, put him on the wrong side of the law. Uh, Angsley was known for dramatically healing people who would put their their hand, his hand on their heads and sort of just push them. And they would often have uh, folks on stage that would catch the people because he pushed them so hard that they would often fall. He ended up spending time in jail in Munich, Germany, after officials arrested him on charges of fraud and practicing medicine without a license. He also claimed that he could cure AIDS. That was a claim he made back in 2006. And these weren't the only wild claims that followed him around. Yeah, that's right. In 2014, uh, Ernest Angley was accused by 21 of his former church members of running a cult and saying uh, that no one should have children, uh, encouraging his followers to get abortions, vasectomies, and calling and for the examination of uh, people's private parts in order to confirm that these surgeries actually taken place. Um, the accusations, which included calling Angsley a closeted gay man, were outlined in a series of articles in the Akron Beacon Journal. Now, of course, Ernest Angsley denied all of those claims. One of the people mentioned in the series, former assistant pastor Brock Miller, later sued Ernest Angsley and his church for sexual abuse. The church countersued for defamation. They reached an out-of-court settlement last year. Now, despite all these wild claims, both by him and about him, he built an empire. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think that's one of the things that was pretty remarkable. But I mean, you listen to some of the things that he said on television, and you think, how could people believe this stuff? But they did. Um, He uh, moved to Akron, Ohio, from his hometown of Gastonia, North Carolina, which is near where I live, uh, to begin his ministry in 1954. In 1994, he bought a 5,000-seat Cathedral of Tomorrow Church from televangelist Rex Humbard. In 2005, uh, now he would have, by then in his 70s, uh, he bought a $26 million Boeing 747 that he used as sort of his uh, private jet for overseas mission trips. Ernest Angley, by the way, is survived by a sister-in-law and a niece. Warren, we're going to take another quick break here. When we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith. More in a moment. 
everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we like to use this last segment as sort of a lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Well, with all the bad news that uh, we've been covering, it's nice to hear some good news, and that's what we have uh, coming out of Cincinnati's Crossroads Church. Uh, It said that it will mark its 25th anniversary by giving $2.5 million to local, national, and international nonprofit partners over the next 25 weeks. The pastor, Brian Tome, said that God has blessed Crossroads over the past 25 years, and we don't take that lightly. So we want to use what we've been given to bring positive change in the communities we serve. That means sharing our resources with partners who are doing good work. Where God is moving, we want to be investing. And more news from the Wilberforce University, an AME church-affiliated college in Ohio. Yeah, you know, there are usually lots of cheers and applause at university commencements, but 2020 and 2021 graduates of Wilberforce University have a bit of an extra reason to celebrate. Their president announced at this year's commencement that any debts that the students still owed to the historically black university had been completely forgiven uh, because you have shown that you are capable of doing work under difficult circumstances, the president said, uh, because you represent the best of your generation. We wish to give you a fresh start. By the way, the president's name is Anthony Pinkard. He went on to say, so therefore, the Wilberforce University Board of Trustees has authorized me to forgive your debt. Your accounts have been cleared and you don't owe Wilberforce anything. Congratulations. Now, as soon as Pinkard said the words, forgive any debt, the masked students uh, started screaming and shouting and jumping. In fact, you could almost not hear uh, what what President Pinkard said next. And that prompted him to sort of step back and smile and laugh before he continued his surprise announcement, which you can, by the way, see on Wilberforce's YouTube channel. Wow, that is pretty amazing. How much money are we talking about and how is this possible? Well, in a statement on the university's website, uh, the school said that the amount of debt forgiven uh, for both classes, the 20 and the 21 class, uh, totals about $375,000 for the 166 new alumni. So honestly, not a huge amount of debt, which I think is probably a a testimony to the responsibility that the the school and the students had already taken to try to remain as debt-free as possible. Um, But the school said that the zero 
balance uh, was the result of scholarships that they received from the United Negro College Fund, from Jack and Jill, uh, Inc., and other institutions that aided students in the spring and fall semesters of both 20 and 21. Wilberforce University, by the way, is the oldest private historically black school in the United States. It was founded in 1856. Wow, that is so cool. Now, who do you have in the ministry spotlight this week? Well, this week we have Moody Bible Institute. I I think a lot of our listeners probably know about Moody already. Uh, It began in 1887 to equip and motivate people to advance the cause of Christ through ministries that educate edify, and evangelize. That's from their mission statement. Uh, A lot of folks listen to Moody radio stations around the country. What they may not know is that Moody has the worst possible financial efficiency rating from Ministry Watch, a one-star rating. Uh, It spent nearly 10% of its more than $100 million budget on fundraising. Its peers, uh, in other words, other similar institutions in its category, spent only about 2%. So, That's a huge difference. And despite all of that money spent on fundraising, Moody's revenue has actually been flat over the past five years, even though we've been in a booming economy. So clearly there are some issues there. If you're a donor to Moody, you should check out our ministry profile of them by going to the Ministry Watch website, and you'll find it right on the front page. Now, Warren, since the last time we spoke, we've rolled over into a new month, and that means a couple of new lists are out. Yeah, that's right. I'm a list guy, so we love lists here at Ministry Watch. First, we've pulled the list from our database of the ministries that have ranked dead last in financial efficiency in their category. If you use our database very much, you know that we rank ministries in comparison to other ministries in their peer group. We have about 18 categories from evangelism to relief and development. The ministries on this month's list not only got a one out of five rating, but they also ranked dead last in their category. And they include some pretty well-known names. Yeah, they do. Prison Fellowship Ministries, Mission Aviation Fellowship, MOPS International. That used to stand for Mothers of Preschoolers International. I know some of the ministries on this list, and they do good work. But you don't end up dead last on our list unless you have some pretty serious financial issues. Uh, I recommend that all of our listeners take a look at this list, and if you give to any of the ministries that you see there, you should ask some pretty serious questions of of the leadership. Uh, To make it easy to do so, we've also included uh, the website for all the ministries on our list, so you can go there and get the email address and phone number. Another list we post each month is the list of the top 10 stories from the prior month. So what was the top story during the month of May? Well, a story, in fact, that kind of surprised me, it was the story about the staff of radio station WPOZ in Orlando calling for changes there, including changes in leadership. Now, it was a local story, but I think because it was about Christian radio and it uh, dealt with some other issues that are in Christian radio nationally, that it actually ended up resonating around the country. Uh, Not only was it the number one story for the month, but a follow-up story that we did on the same station ended up coming in at number seven for the month. Also making the list were Andrew Womack, Rick Warren, and Saddleback Church, and reality TV star and former ministry leader Josh Duggar. Well, no surprises there. Now, before we go, do you have any other quick notes? 
Well, just that we're approaching our fiscal year end here at Ministry Watch. Uh, we are 100% donor supported. We don't take advertising and we don't take money from the ministries that we cover. If you believe in what we're doing here at Ministry Watch, which is to bring transparency and accountability to the ministry marketplace, I hope you'll consider a gift uh, before June 30th so that we can begin our new fiscal year in a strong position. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. And by the way, if you're not in a position to support us financially, hey, I get that. Been there a time or two myself. But there are a couple of things that you can do that um, would be a tremendous help to us. One is to pray for us. You know, we cover a lot of stories here at Ministry Watch of good ministries gone bad, faithful leaders who have kind of um, departed the path of faithfulness, shall we say. So please pray for us here at Ministry Watch that we remain faithful in the work that God has called us to do. And there's something that you can do related to the podcast. It's quick, easy, and also free. And that is to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for search engines to recommend us to others. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Rod Pitzer, Adele M. Banks, Roxanne Stone, Ann Steich, Bruce Schreiner, and Barry Bowen. And thanks to uh, Trinity Foundation for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Boise, Idaho. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.